Welcome back to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast. My name is John Payne. I serve as a pastor at Redemption Hill Church in Texas. I'm here with my friend Jared Mellinger, who serves as a pastor of Covenant Fellowship Church. And we also serve together on the Song Grace leadership team. And we actually are doing this podcast because we love Sovereign Grace pastors. We're grateful for them. They're, they are our heroes, and we are just really honored to count ourselves among them. And um, we, we just see the need for ongoing encouragement for pastors in pastoral ministry to, to remind ourselves uh, of what God has called us to do um, it is good for all of our souls. Uh, it's certainly good for me to hear what you know you say on this podcast, Jared. And I'm just grateful we get to do this together. So anyway, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Thanks for being a joy to work with. To talk with, or if I didn't like you, that would make this podcast unpleasant. But I have so much joy working with you, so I'm leaning into this, brother. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, we wanted to talk about raising up future pastors, and I wanted to start that by reminding us Second Timothy two two says Paul speaking to Timothy, "What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses." Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And that command is built on Paul's own personal example of recruiting and then investing in Timothy. And Timothy is just one example. You look at the number of younger men, men that, that Paul invested in, deployed in the ministry over the years, and, and a, a pattern emerges where Paul really was like the Lord where he, he saw someone, and obviously the Lord was focused on the founding apostles, and we're not, nobody's doing that. But, but, but there is a disposition to want to see in someone what they can be and what God has called them to and a desire to be a part of serving not only our current generation, but future generations by raising up uh, future pastors. So I, I wanted to kind of break this into two, two um, categories. One was... Uh, what are we looking for as as we um, you know kind of assess? We we can't possibly invest in every single uh, person, maybe in quite the same way we would um, that you know like every person we're assuming is a potential pastor. I don't think that's a helpful you know, every every man in the church. Um, so I think we need to give some reconnaissance categories. What are some of the primary things we're looking for? And what, one other note here, I think it's important that we we we're not just looking for ready-made pastors. That's not what we mean. Sometimes God brings a person into a church and they've been trained elsewhere, prepared elsewhere. And for whatever reason, they've come into our church and they just seem to be one step away from entering ministry. And, and if that God does that, wonderful. Um, but we're more meaning, what about people that maybe are years away or a, a certain level of investment and deployment away from ministry? How do we look for those folks long before they're ready to step into um, pastoral ministry. Maybe they're not currently qualified for that, either in skill or in character. What are we looking to see in someone that we could move in that direction? So what, what are things that would come to your mind, bro, on, on the just recognition category? Yeah, let me just say on this, on this topic, I want people to know that you and I, John, are on a mission to have pastors uh, identified yeah. in Sovereign Grace Churches in particular, that this is a, a topic that is so close to our hearts and that we desire to see every pastor uh, 
taking on this responsibility. It's, it is our perspective that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Yes. And we benefited, we've benefited from so much investment from a former generation that, has, that, that was involved in identifying and training us uh, as future pastors. And we wouldn't be where we are in life and in ministry apart from that investment that has been made. And so our hearts uh, are burning with a desire to uh, to now turn and to invest in uh, another generation of men, just as we have been invested in by, by a founding generation. Yes. Uh, And that, that the, the priority of pastors being involved in that work, the responsibility is something worth, uh, you know, worth emphasizing. But I'm happy to talk about what to as well. What, to, what sort of what do you what do we look for? Is that the you well, know the, the, the question? Thinking of someone who isn't like you know, <laughs> you know, he's he's basically a pastor, but for some reason he hasn't been recognized yet. I mean, I'm not talking about that guy. I'm more more looking how how do we look when they're earlier in the process? What are some of the leading yeah qualities that we should be looking for uh if we we are are refreshed in our conviction to be doing this if they're because first timothy 3 and titus 1 place such strong emphasis upon godly character and spiritual maturity that must be a part of what we are seeking to identify now at times god will have there be a young man who has pronounced leadership gifts and has great zeal and needs help in certain areas of godly character. And those young men too should not be overlooked. And so there's an, I would say there's a number of categories that we're looking for, but the first seeds of a, of a pastoral call can emerge in a number of different ways. It may, so meaning that it may first be that, a uh, man who is an example, uh, wonderfully so, of godly character mm. and and faithfulness. That is, then uh, we, we explore that through pursuing, you know, growth in various areas of gifting. Or it could be that there's someone that you realize, okay, we had them share, the, you know, their testimony, or they had this opportunity to speak, and their public speaking skills are on point and they're and they're, okay so there seems to be an ability to preach and teach god's word you know which is another thing that i would say that is on the short list of things that we uh that we want to be looking for uh, we want to be looking for men who are over time tested yes. proven in their gifts and character so there's time that is involved in in the process of identifying a pet. The identification normally isn't going to happen quickly, mm. but will happen over a period of time as as there is testing and proving uh, that that happens. And one other category that comes to mind here is a um, a degree of commitment to the church, yes. to the local church, yes. uh, and and in our case, to to sovereign grace churches is, is something that we look for. So you can have men who are mature, wonderful in their character, bring a degree of gifts. To what extent is there a a passion, a commitment, a devotion to the local church is also a category that that uh that needs to be explored. Yes, agreed. Yeah, I think that um you know there 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 is maybe two different stages of of um, recognition we could point to. One is exactly what you said. You just looking out so to speak, at, at the crowd of young men that's there in the church, 
men, not necessarily all young men, just men that are there in the church. Yes. And I agree. I, I think there could be a place where you see a certain gifting, either with people or with the text is another you know, avenue that could come into. Uh, it could be public gifting. It could be interpersonal gifting. It could be leadership gifting, a certain decisiveness. Um, so you, the different aspects of what it means to be a pastor, you, you might see that in a person. That in and of itself, uh, and then the other category you mentioned, character, um, I would I would highly recommend that that there not be the assumption of future ministry based on that, but there should be the you know it should be uh, desirous of of investigating further and developing and deploying and so forth. Um, once a person, whether because of their gifting or their character, has been kind of identified, I, I think there might be um, something that should be invested in here. A, a key category of character that I would like to see develop um, to become a strength um, would be humility. Uh, yes. And that, that's not saying anything new, but I, I just say that with with greater and greater conviction. I think 20 years ago, I would have said that because we've always cherished humility and we were handed down that attribute, you know, from our fathers in the faith as an important attribute. Now, 20 years later, I, I, I'm saying that more just from the experience of it's just not worth it. it it's just yeah. not worth it to advance gifted yeah. men who are not humble towards ministry, um, which doesn't mean that a proud man shouldn't be invested in. But if he can't grow in humility, he shouldn't grow towards ministry. Um, so that's a category that from a character standpoint that I, you know, that I would want to to look for in a person. Um, but I agree with you just because it's not there at the first glance doesn't mean he can't grow in humility. Yes. And I would say the same thing on the other side, that when you recognize an area, you know, a character in a person, but his first foray into leadership or teaching is not strong, I, I wouldn't write him off. Some right. people's gifts go before them. Also, some people have an abundance of gifting and it's obvious that they could become great leaders or they, they're just so instinctive. There's others that can be developed uh, in their gifting and leadership. And, and maybe they're not going to ever be, um, you know, some world-class preacher or leader, but it's possible that they could develop sufficient leadership and teaching gifts to faithfully serve in the right context. So the point being that you're making, I, we just don't want to write people off based on right. only having you know half of that equation. But as we're developing them, I would want to highlight that quality of humility. I, I, I just would be blunt on this. I, I don't care how great a preacher a guy is. I don't yeah, care right. what other character a guy has. I don't care how gifted he is interpersonally, how long he's been at the church. If he doesn't display a personal humility that's willing to give and you know, to, to discuss his own soul with humility and cares not about his own reputation or rights, but the good of the church. Um, I, until that changes, I don't think he should be advanced. Um, um, yes, and you, and you spend your time discipling yes. someone who isn't interested in growing and being so much better to spend our time and labors as pastors investing in those who are eagerly receiving 
the uh, the counsel, wisdom, and instruction uh, that that's being that's being brought. Yeah. All right. So let's assume we've we've identified someone like that. You know, there's just some character there, and you wonder if there could be development and gifting, or there's some gifting there, but you see some needs in development of character. Let's talk about then the the process. Um, what what should happen there? Um, one big category here that that I have is is the category of relationship with them. Um, that I think we could skip over it in, in an attempt to come, come up with a system of training pastors. But if you look at the New Testament, there, there is just a relational component with pastors that are being developed. I mean, Paul and Timothy are such a great example. Paul thinks of Timothy as a son in the faith. He, he says the same thing to Titus. You then my child in the faith. Peter says that about Mark. Get Mark, my son. And the other co-workers he calls brothers. There is a there is a, a relational and emotional investment. Paul puts himself out there for people that he is developing in ministry. This isn't a pastor factory. So there, there has to be a willingness to kind of personally involve yourself uh, with that person. It, it, and I think that gets into the idea that I'm not just concerned about what they can get done eventually or what they become that serves me or is a sort of a feather in my cap of a pastoral developer. I care about them, whether they end up being a pastor or not. I care about them. doesn't mean our relationship will always have the same contours, but I do care about them. And I think they can tell the difference. And there's a faith towards them that is eager to, to stick with them through the, the gradual development, the inevitable moments of mistake and weakness that doesn't view them as a project that needs to pay off kind of quickly, but is invested in them as a person and is willing to walk with them with a kind of a relational affection. So that, that's a quality that I think should be there throughout the journey. Even if the journey ends at a point of saying, I don't, I don't think this is your calling, you know, my friend, I, I, think, I think there's other ways you should serve the church. It should still have this relational, I care about you um, kind of disposition. Yeah. So that, that's just one quality, regardless of what our system is, I think needs to be there. It's excellent. I think as well, normally a process like this, because it involves some degree of evaluation and assessment, it's important that there be an abundance of encouragement. Yes. Uh, and there is something in those that we are investing in that we have seen of the grace of God in their lives. And I, I think that it ought to be the posture of those who are, as, as we as pastors are investing in others, our, our outlook should be one of great enthusiasm yes. and great encouragement. You know, pastors leading the way, not in uh, checking young men, keeping them, you know, keeping the potential pastor or leader in, in his place, but saying, Hey, the, I see the, these evidences of God's activity in your life. I see these strengths that you have. And then the other the other part of that is to, I talk about closing the feedback gap that can often exist. So it can be that past, that we think, well, I don't know that that person's called to be a pastor, even though they desire it because of this area or that area. Well, have you shared that with him? And sometimes we can have areas of concern for someone who aspires to leadership and would, there are some who will just love, they will, they are ready to eat up your feedback and lean entirely into whatever area of concern uh, or area of needed growth that you give them, but they're not going to know unless 
they are told. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so part of it needs to be that there is both encouragement and that there is correction and observation and thoughts being shared that may be in the, the sin category, but that may also be, here's how you can grow in these gifts. Here's how you can conduct yourself in such a way that, uh, that will leave less room for others to look down on you and will, and will result in you having more stature uh, in relationships. But this kind of counsel and correction is an important part of the of the process. Yes, excellent. I think a, a, a category that is exactly what you're saying too, it has to do with deployment. You know, how, how do you deploy um, a, a leader? And, and I actually think it's possible that some people think that there shouldn't be deployment um, a, of a leader, that they might have a, a thought that, well, it should, ju- without any effort outside of the individual, um, their, their, you know, gifting should be so evident just through their own initiative. And I think that viewpoint tends to favor uh, people that are strong, particularly in a gift of leadership and, and boldness and initiative. Um, and I, I don't think they should, I, I know other pastors who actually dislike that, that they, you know, you have one pastor says, well, unless he's initiating and initiating the conversation, then he isn't really called. And another pastor says, well, if he's initiating the conversation, he can't be called because he's proud. You know, and you'd want to say, well, I, I think there's probably a difference in in their own gifting and personality. And I think the person who is initiating may not be proud in his initiation. And the person who's not, uh, may that may not mean that he, he isn't, you know, he, he's not called. So having a category for a bold type and a less bold type, I think is, is helpful. Um, it's okay to go to a person. I've, I've been struck by Paul's willingness to ask Timothy to come with him. You know, would you come with you? And, and even his exhortation, don't let anyone look down on you. Uh, so he's willing yes. to, to call people you know, to something and to consider accepting a responsibility um, and not just to kind of wait and see what happens almost without his influence. So I think in deployment also, once you have identified that person, looking for ways to position them with an opportunity of leadership or teaching or care that stretches their faith, but is not a kind of cynical, we'll see how you do without any of my involvement at all. Um, I, I, I wouldn't recommend a kind of, I actually have no idea how you're going to do, but I'm going to throw you into this. And if you just are terrible, well, then that's clear that you're not called. Um, I, I, that's where I think the fatherly disposition is helpful here where we're saying, okay, I'm going to give you a hard job, but I'm not going to hand you a chainsaw the first time we're cutting wood. Let's, yeah. let's start with a hatchet. Let's start with a hatchet. And can you use that hatchet safely? Here's how you do it. Now, I want you to go for it. And then after you go for it, we're going to follow up. And I think that's true for, for pastors. Okay, here's, here's a job. One of the things I love about my own dad, I think he's a pastor in, in our ministry. And one of his greatest gifts in ministry is his ability to discern the right level of responsibility for the person's current faith. Just enough that it stretches the person's faith it forces them to feel their weakness, but not so much that you're, you're, you know, you're crushing them with the weight of responsibility. And then what you're talking about is the willingness to then come back to them and not to write them off if, if they don't you know, hit a home run the first time out. You come back to them, this was excellent. You know, I think you should have done this a little more. 
here's a concern that I see. Um, here's, let's try this again. And, and the willingness to sort of put your own reputation on the line to redeploy yes. someone that isn't perfect. I think some pastors are, are uncomfortable with that because they're like, well, yeah, but I'm the one who has my reputation. If he doesn't amazing, it's on me. I'm like, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, it, yeah. you know, unless we're just going to find pastoral prodigies everywhere we look, uh, yeah, we're going to have to stand behind an individual as they gradually develop their giftings in, in reasonable increases of deployment. Um, yeah. So that's a, a category of really thinking through how can I position them for success, prepare them, let them go for it, and then encourage them on the back. Hey, brother, great job on this, man. Here's a way you could grow. You know, not in a condescending way, because that's where we are. We're, we're all all there in need of showing progress um, in our in our pastoring. Yes, and if the church is envisioned to be a church that is identifying future leaders and investing in them and creating context for serving, they will realize, okay, this there's something exciting about this this uh, you know person who's in training, who's doing this teaching because this of what this represents for the future and because we're committed to to raising up pastors. And I think you, there's ways that pastors can lead to have a church on board with being a leadership developing church yes. and the rationale behind why we would give uh, various service and leadership responsibilities to those men who are being trained and, and tested for that for that work and the importance of creating those kinds of, of context. I just, I thank God for, in my case, it was my dad, the, uh, who was the pastor of the church that I grew up in, who, when I was a teenager, late in my teenage years, created opportunities for me to serve. There was a weekly bulletin that we had a handout and I wrote devotionals each week that were include, I had the initiative to want to do that idea. And he worked with me uh, on it. He gave me an opportunity to speak to the youth of the church. Uh, I remember the first time that was done and other examples like that of, yeah, there's some risk involved here and uh, let's, let's work with him and let's see uh, let's see how it goes. Yes, excellent. I, this, this may be a caveat that maybe some need to hear. That there are some pastors who, you know, very, very, in some ways, so excited and eager about anybody that's showing any interest in ministry um, that the, the danger of of flattering, you know, can you know, is another side of what you're saying about closing the closing the loop. Well, you know, one concern is I have concerns that I never share. Uh, the other one is I ignore any concerns because I just don't want to discourage them. I'm so excited that they're eager. And, um, and, and I, I, some people, you know, might be tempted to, to flatter um, where every sermon is a home run and the greatest you've ever heard and every leader, you know, and there's never any feedback on, look, here, here's how you can grow. A, a, a man that's called to pastoral ministry, he wants to grow. And, and so flattery is different than specific commendation where God has, you know, shown his grace at work, but then coming back and saying, okay, I was really thinking about it. Here's a way, even though I'm so grateful for all that you did, you did fantastic brother, man. Well done. Uh, here, here's something that I think, why, why don't we work on this? Um, and let's try this. Let's, let's try to see if you can, you know, grow into this area. Maybe, maybe you're, you know, really strong in your public, you know, ministry, 
but you're you're less skillful in interpersonal um, opportunities. Let's let's kind of push you in that direction. Or maybe you're you're wonderfully instinctive as a preacher, but you're not as academic. And so let's let's kind of press you in that area. So it's the willingness to say all pastors are supposed to show progress. And therefore, even if you're wonderfully gifted, we're going to look for ways where you can keep growing. Um, all right, just before we close here, just real practically, what's something yeah. that you've done? Now, obviously, Covenant Fellowship, much larger church than most, uh, at least in our family of churches. Um, but just real practically, what are some of the structures that you've used there to, to you know, give people opportunity? Yeah, we do find it really valuable to have structures in place that I think can be done even at a church of a different size, meaning you could have that man in the church, say it's a young man who may have pastoral potential. You say, I'm going to meet with him once a month uh, and uh, have him read these books and we're going to discuss them. Okay, that's that's something. That's a structure that's in place. Um, We have currently a, uh, we call it a Young Bucks Discipleship group. It's not so much aimed at pastoral, they do talk about pastoral ministry, but they're reading CJ's Humility. They're, and this is, you know, uh, mostly early college, uh, I believe, in our efforts to to uh, identify future leaders, but so that we are uh, investing in them, discipling them, uh, giving them opportunities for service. We also then have, so that's a sort of early on broad net. I like having discipleship groups where you can cast the, the net more broad. You know, let me do this group where I'm meeting with these three guys and uh, we're going through this material uh, kind of kind of thing and see what God does. We also have uh, one-year internships that we have done. The, uh, they're for men as they continue in their vocation, but they join us once a month for an evening elders meeting. They'll join us for training meetings. They're a part of various team contexts. So they really get a window into uh, how we um, how we lead as elders and what pastoral ministry is like. And, uh, and we meet regularly with them as well to, to disciple them in, uh, in various areas. So those sorts of, that's a part of the sort of bringing them along type things. We found that just having others observe what it is that we do, here's what an elders meeting is like, uh, can, can be really helpful. And so each year now we have a different group of interns sometimes they carry over um but so there will be some who are finishing that internship and then we will have um another uh group of interns uh in the in the new year those are some practices Uh, i have had a number of young men in the church preach 10 minute serving uh, sermons to me in my living room on a music stand where a group of us will come over and we'll because that's part of how i how I developed uh, in preaching as well was living room type of preaching. And I believe that every church needs, guys should be given opportunities to teach and preach. Sometimes that just means that it's to the discipleship group, but I think you want to get a feel for how do they uh, study God's word, develop sermon content and deliver and preach God's word. It can tell you a lot about a gifting that a, Mm. that a young man has. What do you guys do? Excellent. Yeah. I mean, I think I totally agree with you that I think some kind of, of structured meeting, even at a church with a single pastor, you know, just it wouldn't take long to come up with, okay, we're going to meet, you know, once a month, twice a month. I'd like you to read this chapter. We'll discuss it. I think the, the, the deployment side. Um, so like one of the things we've done here is, you know, we, we have a young man that 
Um, we, we have just looked for ways to use his leadership. And as I was describing earlier, to kind of a plan for him. What does it look like for him? So two elements there. One would be kind of structured meeting opportunities. And then the other would be kind of pastoral relational opportunities. So we're looking for, as you're saying, like teaching opportunities that would suit, you know, where he is in ministry. So in our case, um, you know, we've had some youth gatherings where we've you know allowed him to prepare a message and then deliver a message in that context and it's just it suits kind of where he is and it's a wonderful chance for developing um you know his his teaching gift he doesn't do it all the time but occasionally and then try to give him feedback and then the other one is maybe pointing out a group of people in the church that might be naturally through a community group structure but it might not be it might be more um kind of demographically driven. So in our case, like I, I went to him at one point and said, you know, I, I want you to invest in these, you know, young men. See if you can connect with them, see if you can strengthen them, encourage them, try to reach out to them, just just hear how they're doing and try to motivate them. And it's helpful mm -hmm. to see how a person does in, in pursuing that kind of invitation, um, where there's some people, I think, thrive in more formal structures but would be very uncomfortable with with personally you know face to face with an individual you know others do that naturally and then you put them in a formal structure of leadership or teaching and they, you know they freeze so i think testing in both of those should be part of that that development i've also met on occasion with um, any guys in the church who've expressed an interest in pastoral ministry so similar to what you're saying just to talk theology and then to Excellent. you know introduce pastoral categories. How, how would you handle this situation? Let's talk about this need. How would you give counsel in this kind of a moment? So kind of pastoral uh, training and and just to see how would you how would you handle this? Let me give you some counsel on how you would do that and um, that kind of thing. Very practically, we I, I know you think this, but the pastors' conference is a yes. would be a, a sweet. Uh, so to speak, reward of somebody who's been laboring faithfully locally. And you say, you know, brother, I'm so grateful for your interest here. Would you like to come with us to the pastor's conference and just enjoy it? And if, if there's a way of paying their way to get there or helping them get there, um, at least somewhat, that, that could be a, a sweet you know, recognition of what it can at times be a long journey before you're actually you know, functioning as a pastor. Obviously, both of us, highly recommend the pastor's college once a person yeah. you know has has been developed you know over over a period of years um you know to give them kind of that final push towards formal training so um mainly yeah. i just want to echo what you said one of the things i am most grateful for so grateful for uh the the founding pastors of sovereign grace their eagerness to see younger men enter ministry other men enter ministry besides yes. them and we yes. just want to reflect that. We just want to see, may, may the Lord raise up men mightier than we are. Uh, both you and I feel that, you know, may, may yeah. raise up men yeah. mightier in word and deed than we are. Uh, both of us, I, I mean, I, I feel, we look yes. back at our fathers in yeah. faith and say, well, they seem much mightier than we are. That's okay. <laughs> we're fine. <laughs> if we're just the bridging generation of sovereignty, that's fine. I, I, you know, may the Lord do that. Yes. May, may our grandfather, you know, our fathers in the faith and our sons in the faith you know, have been mighty would be, would be fine with me. So, um, yes. And amen. And that verse that you started with from second Timothy two, two is yeah. striking because it not only has two generations in view, it in fact has four generations in view. Yes. What you've heard from me 
he says to Timothy, there's the two generations in trust to faithful men. That's the third who will be able to teach others also. And so there is a future. Uh, and Christ is with us in that because he loves the church. He died for the church and he gives gifts to the church. So yeah. he's not going to leave yeah. us on our own. He is giving gifts in the form of men, in the form of, of pastors and shepherds to the church. And we have the joy of, uh, of identifying and training a future generation of pastors. Yes. Amen. Well, to our pastoral brothers, as always, we love you guys. We're grateful for you and honored to be partnered with you. And, and may the Lord strengthen all of our hands. Give us eyes to see, Lord, the future pastors that you have given among us and, and a, a kind of fatherly determination to see them be who God has called them to be in the faith as gifts to his church. So, well, we love you and we look forward to seeing you next time. Jared, thanks for joining me as always, bro. Grateful for you. Thank you.